from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Had a little bit of under-the-weather feeling this week, so or today, I should say, so I appreciate you uh, being understanding of, uh, of, of being on the show a little bit uh, after here, after 9 o'clock, so... Thank you so much for listening into the show and for tuning in today. And hopefully y'all are feeling well out there and things are good out there and you're enjoying life out there. I'm very happy to be a part of this broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It is always my honor and my privilege to speak to you. So hope your day is going well. Hope all is going well with you and that you have been enjoying the new year in a very big way and that everything has been going off without a hitch, so to speak. And if there ever is a hitch or anything that's hanging you up that you know that God's got your back and it's all going to work out and be okay. So just be positive and know that things will always find their way to be okay. Things always come out in the wash, so to speak. So do the best you can and bring the best you can to the table. Happy to be here with you on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We have a jam-packed show for you today on the Prowl, which is the signature Jacksonville Jaguars segment, which will move into my interviews with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you will hear me have conversations today with numerous Jacksonville Jaguars players, including the likes of wide receivers Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens, tight end Mercedes Lewis, as well as running back Leonard Fournette, defensive end Dewan Smoot, left tackle Cam Robinson, and special teams player Corey Grant, who's also a backup running back to the team, and kicker Josh Lambeau. They will all be joining the show today here in the opening of the broadcast, and then we'll get into Syracuse basketball and your thoughts with the team coming off of a road loss against Virginia, one of the top three teams in the nation. Hard to believe with Virginia, with having a bunch of guys, you know, with having people having moved on over the years with eligibility finishing up, two guys that transferred out, you know, this was going to be a season where you never count Virginia out, but you definitely didn't anticipate that they would be in the top three in the country more than likely. And this is exactly where they are. So a big shout out to what they're doing in Charlottesville with the Virginia Cavaliers. We're going to discuss that in, in just a little bit here. And we're going to get your thoughts on Syracuse coming off of that home loss to Notre Dame and just what your takeaways were going into the Virginia game because many fans weighed in and I want to make sure that those of you that weighed in to the show on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT, your voice be heard with some of the thoughts that you had. So we're going to share those just a little bit here and round out the show at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time with with the Ingredients to Success proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company, typically every Tuesday at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time, but today we are going to be doing it, uh, or this week we're going to be doing it on Wednesday, 
So that'll be happening today. Very excited about that and the opportunity to share that with you. So with that being said, without further ado, let's jump into On the Prowl with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as I've been saying this week, you know, this team is a team that I truly believe has had the, has been making really good moves throughout the last four years. And the moves that they've been making, the players that they've been bringing in, have just been good pieces. You know, the Jaguars roster from a few years back, I mean, if we go and we look back, and I'm going to do that right now, I'm going to go back to the Jacksonville Jaguars roster from 2013-14. I'm going to take a look at this with you and let you know kind of who was on the team to give you a feel for it. Maurice Jones-Drew, these are guys that were on the team that aren't there anymore. Maurice Jones-Drew at running back, Cecil Shorts at wide receiver, left tackle Cameron Bradfield, left guard Will Rackley, center Brad Meester, Austin Pastor, the right tackle, Tyson Alu-Alu, defensive end, Jason Babin, defensive end, Senderek Marks, D-tackle, Roy Miller, D-tackle, Geno Hayes, linebacker, Jonathan Cyprian, strong safety, free safety, well, no, I should say, uh, kicker Josh Scobie, punter Brian Anger, wide receiver Justin Blackman, who has really never had an NFL career due to his own stuff that he's done off the field, running back Justin Forsett, quarterback Blaine Gabbert, cornerback Dwayne Gratz. I mean, we look up and down this roster... Ace Sanders at wide receiver, Denard Robinson at H-back. You know, you look at the, the what the team looked like that year, and then you go to the next season, 2014, you bring in Blake Bortles, and you look at the weapons that he had then. He doesn't have Denard Robinson or Cecil Shorts or Clay Harbor. All those guys gone. Luke Jokel just continued to get hurt. He's not there anymore. Zane Beatles isn't there anymore. Brandon Linder, their center, was playing right guard. Red Bryant was there at defensive end. And Chris Clemens, they're not there anymore. JT Thomas at middle linebacker, he's not there anymore. A bunch of these changes have been made to the team. And you look at Storm Johnson at running back, he's not there anymore. So there was a bunch of these guys that were on the team. And slowly but surely, they were starting to bring in people. 2014-15, they brought in Blake Bortles. They, you know, they brought in... Allen Robinson, they brought in the Mar the Marquise Lees of the world. You know, Brandon Linder was a rookie. Telvin Smith was a rookie. All those guys coming on to the roster at this point in the season. And then you look at going to the following season, 2015-16, and the Jacksonville Jaguars had brought in other rookies. A.J. Can, who's a part of the offensive line still. They brought in the likes of... Some of these other guys are Corey Grant came on to the team as a rookie at the running back position and helping out with special teams. So little by little, they were trying to do some things. TJ Yeldon came on to the team as a rookie as well. But you look at, you know, people were complaining about, you know, Bernard Pierce was brought on the team and nothing happened with him. Justin Forsett, nothing happened. Julius Thomas and nothing happened. You know, Julius Thomas coming off of phenomenal play with the Denver Broncos and really just looked amazing with Peyton Manning and company. And Julius Thomas, one of the best fantasy sleepers that you could grab in the middle of the season and would help you potentially win your Super Bowl in, in your fantasy football league. 
And then he came to Jacksonville for a year. He wasn't healthy the whole season. He was only healthy for part of it. He only played in four games for the team and start, or pardon me, he uh, was four years into his season, only played a few games for the Jaguars that season, was paid $10.3 million and wasn't available for all 16 games. And then the thought was, well, did, did Jacksonville misuse him? Did Jacksonville just not know how to handle Julius Thomas? Did they screw up? Then you see him go to Miami, and what did he do this season? A whole lot of not that much. So Julius Thomas was what, you know, it was sometimes you're just really good in a system, you know, and it takes time. It takes time to get to get comfortable and, and this, that, and the other. But, you know, Julius Thomas, that was one of the things that I kind of critiqued the Jaguars saying to myself, how can he be this bad when he was that good for Denver? And then you see him go to Miami, and he really didn't do anything much of good in Miami. So, for me, you know, going and looking at stuff like that, Julius Thomas was one of those things that you thought that that Jacksonville screwed up, but in actuality, maybe he just wasn't... Maybe Jacksonville saw something and said, you know what, we spent some money on this guy, and he's not worth keeping. And you move forward from there. So, slowly but surely, they're bringing people onto this team. Yannick Nagakwe, he came onto the team as a defensive end in 2016-17. Jalen Ramsey at corner. Miles Jack at linebacker came onto the team. Dante Fowler Jr. came onto this team recently. And Dante Fowler Jr. was considered his rookie season because he had gotten hurt. I believe tore his ACL in practice. So, you know, he didn't have the opportunity to play in his rookie season. So the crazy thing about it is when Jalen Ramsey came in with Miles Jack, they had Dante Fowler Jr. as as that three-headed rookie opportunity to come in. Ben Koyak, who caught... The touchdown, the only touchdown for the Jaguars in the game against the Bills out of Notre Dame. He was a rookie of 2016-17 as well. They brought in all of these guys to give them opportunities and to help them build some depth here. And then in 2016-17, they continued to impress, or 2017-18, I should say, they continued to impress by getting Cam Robinson, the left tackle out of Alabama, getting Leonard Fournette, the running back out of LSU, and then, you know, also going and getting other players like Keelan Cole, who is an undrafted rookie, Blair Brown at linebacker, <clears throat> who was drafted in the fifth round, 148 overall. Just picking up these guys, Jadon Mickens, who is an undrafted rookie. Think about this. The Jacksonville Jaguars have two undrafted rookies playing wide receiver for them right now, and both of them are playing well. And you're going to hear from both of them in today's broadcast. So I am more than excited to share that with you. We're going to take a quick, fast break, and we'll get into the Jacksonville Jaguars and these one-on-one conversations with the guys in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. 
Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, gotta take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That is the live feed. Make sure that you join it, MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That's Mix, like mixing up a salad, L. Larry R. Roger, MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time is our normal schedule, and you could hear the show live then, and then you could go to wakeupcalldt.com, 
Click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, or the downloadable app powered by Podbean and get the shows in the archive as well. Over 800 shows currently in the archive, so make sure that you jump on there and listen in. It is that time of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destin, USA, to share with you the Jacksonville Jaguars one-on-one interviews that I did here for On the Prowl coming out of their wildcard win over the Buffalo Bills over the weekend and heading into their Steelers game that they have coming up for the divisional round on the road in Pittsburgh. First up is Corey Grant, backup running back and special teams player who's taken some direct snaps on punts, one of them to the house and one of them for a huge game against the Ravens. I asked him if he thought that that could be an opportunity, if that could potentially happen in this game when they were going to punt late. Did he feel that maybe that direct snap would be coming? This is what he had to say. No, uh, um, not in that situation. Uh, I don't think we want to not really waste a play like that at the end of the game. But, you know, it could have been a possibility, but no, we, we never really thought about it. When you look at this game and the way that your team played in this, I mean, 10, 10 to 3, I mean, that's a punch down, drag out type of thing. It's a heavyweight fight type of battle. Just what you could say you take away from a game like this. Uh, you know, just keep fighting, you know, never give up. And, you know, uh, no matter how it goes, just, just keep grinding and, and, and you know, it, it could possibly go your way, so, and like you did it for us today. When you look at this matchup that you had with the Buffalo Bills and how tight it was, 3-3 three to three at halftime, and then see how the team responded after that, just what you could say about how you guys responded in the second half to make sure that they didn't score at all. They had four punts and an interception. Yeah, we came in, you know, we made our adjustments and, you know, just went back out and, and you know, trust what the offensive coach, you know, changed and also defense side of the ball. You know, our defense is a great defense. They, they week in and week out, they always do what they do. So, uh, as an offense, we just stuck to what coach wanted to change and we went with it. So, you can say about your offensive coordinator, Nate Hackett, just some of the decisions he made. Obviously, he got the Bills to trust the runner to, to believe that there was going to be that run with Leonard Fournette, multiple tries there, and then to find Ben Koyak in the back of the end zone. Just what you could say about his ability to kind of scheme things out and see those open opportunities. Yeah, he's a he's a great schemer, you know, throughout the week. You know, that's what, you know, like you said, we came in, you know, one of them think we're going to be heavy run, and then and when we're on the goal line, we usually run, run the ball a lot. So to have that play in this week and for that, to, you know, situation to come up and have that play ready to go is perfect. What can you say about this locker room and this team in practice, in the games, but also when you guys are just here in moments like these, how you feel? the environment is? Um, I love it. You know, I don't think it ever changes. Uh, guys, you know, focus in and we come together and, you know, do whatever we need to do to make, you know, whatever we need to happen, happen. You look at going to Pittsburgh, you guys have already been there and came out with a victory last time. Just what you could say about going back to Pittsburgh with a divisional round game coming up? Uh, it's going to be another dog fight. You know, it's going to be a game like it was today. You know, they've gotten better, we've gotten better and, you know, they kind of know what to expect. We know what to expect. So, I think it would be kind of closer than last time but you know keep fighting and we'll come out on top that once again coming from Corey grant backup running back and special teams player that they have used in some interesting and unique situations for the jaguars on direct punt snaps so you know everything is on the table they've seen that it can work and i don't put it past them you know if they need if they need something to spark them against the pittsburgh steelers or something happening late you can look to opportunities like that so I never count out things like that with the Jaguars I like the fact that those are built in to the offense you know I, I give credit to 
Nate Hackett as well as to special teams for the work that they put in to this and and get everybody ready to play in those opportunities because they're fun, you know? They're fun. And to catch somebody on their heels, it's exciting and it's different and it's interesting. So I applaud things like that and I appreciate that. So big ups to, you know, the, the entire scheming and what they're doing in Jacksonville and how they go about it because Corey Grant has found his place. He's found a little niche here on the team. Normally, fourth, fifth string running back gets lost in the cards here and is not called upon unless the team's in dire need and things go, you know, things go down and they just desperately need help. But in his case, he's found a place to really hang his hat on special teams and be something very important to this team. And I always appreciate his professionalism. So I want to thank Corey Grant as always. Coming up next here is defensive end of the Jaguars. And that is Dewan Smoot. Dewan Smoot and I start our conversation. He's a rookie out of Illinois on what he's learned from being on a line with uh, just what he's taken away from the team this season because there's so much leadership on the line you know and when you look at guys like Avery Jones and Malik Jackson and so on and so forth so we're going to start with what he's been taking away so far uh, just one thing I got to say is that uh, we have great leadership on this team even though we're young we have really good veterans that that lead us and uh, they basically just got us ready for this whole game you know they, they got us right and uh, give them credit for this W. When you look at Malik Jackson, Aubrey Jones, Dante Fowler Jr., Calais Campbell, I mean, these guys that you have to learn from on the defensive line, just what you can say about what they've taught you so far? Uh, taught me a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's too much to even, like, point out. But they, they've just taught me just how to be mature. Don't get too high, you know, uh, don't, and don't get too low. Just basically just go out there and do what you've been doing your whole life. Just, just play, you know. When you look at what this team has become and what you guys have been able to do. You started off at home 0-2 and 6-0, and including the wild card game victory that you just had over the Bills. Just what you could say about taking care of Everbank Field, as well as the fact that you guys have played well on the road, road as well. So you've been able to take care of both this season. All right, uh, our biggest thing coming in this week, because we came off these, those last two losses at the end of the regular season, our biggest thing was just like we gotta, we got to protect. we got to protect our home. Like Whoever comes in our home, they got to know that they're going to get beat, period. So that, that was a big mentality this week. We just had to defend home home field and just go out there and go to the uh, next round. What was it about the last two weeks, about the game at San Fran and at Tennessee, that you guys learned from? Uh, I feel like that that we can't, you know, when we get down, we just we, we can't just, like, quit, you know. we got to keep going and we got to keep fighting. That's what we did this week. When you see how you grinded out this victory, to look at somebody like Blake Bortles on the other side offensively, 88 yards rushing, 87 yards passing, just how he took over and did what needed to be done. And he's, he's a leader. He's a leader on the offense, and he, he did what he had to do to get us that W, so that's all that matters. Going to Pittsburgh again, you guys know what it's like to be up in Pittsburgh. Just what you can say about going back for the divisional round game in the AFC. Just know that we, we'll be ready. We, we just got done playing. They're coming off a of bye week. That don't matter. We're going to be ready either way. That coming once again from Dewan Smoot. Dewan Smoot, a rookie on the defensive line. And to switch to the other side, what did I tell you? You got to build the team through the trenches. If you want to win a championship, you need a strong offensive line and a strong defensive line so that you can run the ball, protect the quarterback, get the receivers and the tight ends involved, as well as attack the quarterback, help out your secondary, and help that second level and try to prevent offensive players from getting into the second level to that second piece to break away. So there's a lot of importance that can never go understated with offensive and defensive line players, yet they are some of the most thankless jobs that I've ever seen in the world of sports 
And it's a sad, 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 I mean, it's, it's very, because the thing is, you see Leonard Fournette run for a 67-yard touchdown, and you give credit to Leonard Fournette. I give credit to Leonard Fournette and the offensive line. So, you know, there, with that being said, the guy that's blocking for him in that left tackle, you know, it's funny how I said that the first opportunity to have a franchise, the first time that I think that Jacksonville will have a franchise back since Fred Taylor is Leonard Fournette. And Fred Taylor, as a franchise back, had left tackle Tony Baselli blocking for him and helping him out. Well, this guy, this Leonard Fournette guy, has left tackle Cam Robinson blocking for him. So it's not just the signs of saying, I think this guy can do it. Franchise backs have strong offensive line players that help to make them look good. And Fred had Tony Baselli, and Leonard Fournette has had Cam Robinson. So from Dewan Smoot, a rookie out of Illinois, on the defensive line, defensive end to the guy who would be blocking against him if they were on opposite teams, left tackle Cam Robinson. Cam is here with me, the rookie out of Alabama, to discuss if he could see the success coming for Jacksonville this year. Um, I definitely, you know what I'm saying, it's starting back to where, even going back to camp, uh, even before that, honestly, when we first got here, um, I think, you know what I'm saying, we was putting in a lot of work this whole offseason. And um, I think now we're just kind of seeing a lot of this stuff pay off and come to fruition. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Anytime you can see your work and everything you've put in, because only we know how much we've put into this. So anytime we see that paying off, it's always huge for us. Coming from Alabama, and I treat Alabama like an NFL team, an NFL franchise. The way that you go about what you do and the professionalism of that, did that help prepare you for where you're at right now? Yeah, I mean, but we um, – I think so. Just, you know what I'm saying, the professionalism of the program and um, those coaches do you know, a great job of, you know, when the players leave, they're ready, they're ready for this level, you know what I'm saying, or they're close to being ready for this level. So um, they did, they did, they did a great job helping us, helping us with that while we were there. This team has been in need of a strong left tackle and somebody who could protect the blind side and obviously help the run. Just what you could say about what you've seen from yourself and, and how you've evolved this season. Um, I think I've been all right. Um, a lot of places, to, a lot of places to improve. Um, a lot of things to get better at. But um, I think, as you know, what I'm saying it's been all right. When you look at Leonard Fournette and block it for a guy like him, just what you could say about the talents that he brings to the table. Uh, you know, obviously he's a natural, he's an extremely naturally talented guy. A lot of his stuff. If a lot of that stuff he has, you you can't. That's God given. Um, we got to do a better job of you know getting him some holes and letting him get down here uh, next week. And I think we'll do that. You know what I'm saying? I think we're up for the challenge for that. When you block for a guy like Leonard Fournette, that's one thing. But blocking for the leading rusher today, Blake Bortles, is what you could say about your quarterback. You know, 87 yards passing, 88 yards rushing, almost nine yards of carry. Just what he did back there. It was big for us, man. It was it was what was needed. You know what I'm saying? And anytime we need something big from five, he's gonna be saying we know we know we can trust him. Um, that's it. Going to Pittsburgh. You guys have been there before this season. Just what you could say about going back? I'm ready to go, man. Um, they were great, they had a great team. It was you know what I'm saying a good game last time we were up there. Um, I know they'll be competitive. I know they'll be ready to go. I know we'll be ready to go. So I'm looking forward to it. And the last thing for me is just what you could say has attributed to success on the road. I know that the end of the season there was a loss to San Fran and Tennessee, but you guys have had success away. Um, so just what you could say about playing away from home and the success you found there. I think it was just uh, I think it's our focus level ultimately. Um, us staying focused no matter where we're at. Um, just trying to stay locked in. And for Duval, just what you could say about the fans, the support, the people that came out, and you know we all know that the. Steelers have the terrible towel, and you know you guys had that. 
that white towel again too. Um, I don't really know nothing about no towels, but uh, I mean, it was. I, I just want to thank our fans, man. I'm talking about like from the bottom, from, from the bottom of everybody in here heart. You know what I'm saying that that support that we got today it was huge. Um, the support, the support we've been getting for the past few weeks has been huge, and uh, we just tried to come out and just, just keep giving these people something to support. This is a wake-up call, fast break. Unica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories 
last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. We are inside of On the Prowl, bringing you my one-on-one conversations with the Jacksonville Jaguars from on-site, on location, in Jacksonville for the game that they had up against the Buffalo Bills, winning 10-3 in their game against the Buffalo Bills. So this is my con- these are my conversations with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of this game, a huge game for them. The first time they had been back in the playoffs in 10 years, nine seasons, a span of nine seasons and a span of 10, ten years altogether, dating back to 2007-08 and the first time that they had hosted a home playoff game since 2000, so essentially 17 years ago for them since the last time that they did that. And to not only be back at home, but be back in the playoffs, but for the first time ever, win the AFC South Division, a lot of good coming from what the Jacksonville Jaguars have done so far this season, and good coming out of it and getting a victory. And part of that victory, obviously, was Josh Lambeau, the kicker that they brought on, Jason Myers, just wasn't, just didn't seem to be the right fit for the Jaguars, and things weren't going well, missing field goals and clutch time situations. So they made a move for Josh Lambeau, a guy who was waiting and hoping for an opportunity. He's played off and on in the NFL, and he got that phone call, and the Jaguars said, "We want you to come out, and we want you to kick. Give him a shot. Give him an opportunity." He came out, became a part of this team in the middle of the season. And he's another one of those unsung heroes of one of the good moves that the Jaguars made in free agency. You know, when you look at free agency, waiver wire, trades, and the draft, Josh Lambeau's just as much a part of this as anybody else. And here is our conversation coming off of the win over the Buffalo Bills and what Josh had to say about making sure he booted that 44-yarder through the uprights before halftime to tie the game. Um, I mean, it's always critical, you know, to, to put points up on the board. Um, and I think that kind of got our guys back to neutral. And we were able to go back in the locker room, um, you know, kind of reset a little bit. And, you know, I mean, everybody else helped out just as much as I did. I was just the guy putting it through the upright. So. Blake Heaven, 20-yard run, followed by a 12-yard run. Just what you could say, like you said, you know, you were the one, one to put it up through the uprights. But, I mean, there were guys that helped set that up. And Blake with two big-time runs, and he yeah. was running all throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, Blake came up and, and he stepped up and did what he needed to do when he needed to do it, which is really impressive and important to, uh, you know, to kind of step up as a quarterback and be the leader. And when we needed stuff to happen, that's what he did. He made sure stuff happened. And that's, uh, you know, a testament to him, to our guys up front. Um, and he, uh, you know, did what he needed to do. Football and sports isn't always pretty, but a win's a win, and we're on to the next round. You know what it feels like to be waiting for that job. You got the call from the Jacksonville Jaguars to be a part of this team and a part of this program when they made that phone call to you to where you stand today just what you can say about your appreciation of being a part of this franchise um, you know it's uh, it's difficult being told no as many times as I was told um, and even not being signed by Jacksonville immediately um, but you know it seems to be that everything happens for a reason and, and I don't know if I would have had a better fit in any other city and so just the fact that I'm here that they get you know put a lot all their faith in me because you know 
releasing a guy is one thing, but releasing a guy for someone else specifically is, is it's a big move, yeah. um, especially at you know the point scoring position. So um, just the fact that they put their faith in me, um, it just it means the world to me, and I'm hoping that uh, you know, I'm proving my worth. What has your time here so far shown you about this franchise and where they're heading? Um, you know, I think leadership is just such a massive important part of team sports and we have unbelievable leaders in place here and that trickles down um, from you know from our owner to the GM to the head coach to obviously coach Coughlin and it trickles down even more having Clayus Campbell in here and um, you know just big-time leaders to step up and you know Telvin Smith being vocal and my guy PT leading me and uh, you know always offer me words of encouragement it's just it's a fun group to be around I it's enjoyable to be on this team and in this organization. You mentioned Chad Khan, obviously from the top down, the owner. Just what you could say about him, because he seems very passionate about you guys and that togetherness and that family and making sure that you know things are done the right way. He's put a lot and invested a lot into this team and just what you've seen from him. Yeah, I mean, I love seeing him around here as, as often as we do, and every interaction I've had with him has always been really positive and encouraging. And um, he's done a lot for obviously this organization and uh, you know a lot for the city and so. Hopefully we can you know, continue to, uh, to, to get these wins for him and for the city. That coming once again from Josh Lambeau, the kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars <clears throat> that came onto the team during the season. Somebody that they started to lean on during the season because it just wasn't working out with Jason Myers after Josh Scobie. So they decided to take a chance on Josh Lambeau, which ended up working out in their favor. His third season out of Texas A&M. We look back to he played with San Diego in 2015 as well as 2016 and then came to the Jaguars in 2017-2018. And just to look at you know what he's been able to do with the Jaguars, he came to them in October and was able to boot a couple through here. He's two for two in his first game with the Jacksonville Jaguars in a victory. Three for three after that, then two for two, two for three, one for one, three for three, three for three. One for one, one for one, and one for one. And then we look at the playoff game, and in the playoff game, he was one for one as well, that 44-yarder that he booted through to help the team tie the game to go into halftime knowing that they could move forward and take the advantage. And as much as they were only down three to nothing, to me it's not only down three to nothing. If you go into halftime and you're down, you know, the way that I look at it is if you're if you're behind, it could be two to nothing. You know, it could be a safety. Could be any of that. But down three to nothing, especially at home, and I mean it, it does something with the psyche sometimes. It does something with, you know, the way that I mean, because they won essentially they won the first half on you. And so to tie the game was extremely, extremely vital and important to even things out and say to the Jaguars, okay, you have an opportunity in the second half to take over. So Josh Lambeau's 44-yard field goal set up by a 20-yard run and a 12-yard run by Blake Bortles that you just heard him speak about here with me on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on the prowl. Those were crucial. Those two runs by Blake were crucial, and booting it through the uprights was huge as well. And it was an extreme necessity, in my opinion, because I think that you have to do things like that in order to win these games. You have to make sure that you even things out come back and do what you need to do before you go into halftime. 
and that's exactly what the Jaguars did en route to their win. Keelan Cole has been one of the guys that I've discussed. I said, listen, if Blake Bortles isn't a good quarterback, then how come he's successful throwing to two undrafted rookies in Jadon Mickens and Keelan Cole when his number one, Allen Robinson, has been out for the season and Allen Hearns has been coming in and out and Marquise Lee's been coming in and out. So if he's not a good quarterback, how come he's doing what good quarterbacks do, which is find a way to make the most out of your fourth and fifth string guys. Well, Keelan Cole is up here right now to discuss his season and to, and to discuss his story and just what he could say about getting to where he is today. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's, it's just staying humble. You got you to gotta remain where you was. Uh, we was on the bottom, apparently, uh, according to I mean, some of the other good stories coming from D1 and stuff like that. But, I mean, that, that all doesn't even matter once you get here. You just got to... You gotta show that you you still willing to work once you, I guess, on top or whatever. You know, you you gotta come ready every day. I'm I'm not I'm not done, and I'm gonna keep going until I retire. So, I'm, my head's down, ready to go. What can you tell me about that belief that you had in yourself, personally, when you were trying to find a fit and find a team that would give you an opportunity? I, I got the same uh, belief. You know, uh, I, I I trust my coaches. I trust my my teammates and. I'm just watching everything they do, trying to trying to build on me. Um, you can't you can't build unless you unless you're trying to get better. Um, I'm just I'm just excited to be here. Glad everything happened. Everything happens for a reason. I'm just gonna keep giving what I can give. This is one of those games that was a punch down drag out type of game, low scoring game. Just what you can say about what you took away from it, and even with Blake, your quarterback, to have 88 yards rushing, 87 yards passing. I mean, he took over and did what he needed to do. Uh, that, like I said from the beginning, Blake's been doing that in, in my eyes since the beginning of the season. It's just uh, it's different when you win and lose, so you never really see it, I guess, in the in the media's eyes. So uh, that's Blake. That's five for me. Uh, he does, he comes ready every week, and it's, it's, it shows. When you see all the moves that, that this team has made, to be a part of a group that thought it was important to bring in those veteran leaders on the defensive side, as well as going through the draft and everything, there's pieces that have been being put together, and you're one of those pieces that came in as well. Just what you could say about how you gel in the locker room, how you gel in practice, and gel on the field. Uh, we're a family out here. Uh, we're a family off the field. We're a family on the field, and we're a family in our rooms. And that's that's really what it is. It's all about really coming together and, and having one goal and making that goal happen. And I feel like that's what we did. Traveling to Pittsburgh, you guys have already been there this season. Just what you can say about going back. I'm ready to go. And from Keelan Cole to the player that I always, uh, you know, talk about them together because of their stories and what they've been able to do. Fourth and fifth string wide receivers, Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens. Jadon Mickens, a punt returner for the Jaguars that came on late this season, you know, kind of mid-season and, and then moving forward and just giving them a lot of help in the special teams game, in the punt return game, and of course in being a wide receiver at times when they've needed him. So Jadon Mickens and Keelan Cole, both two big parts of the team's success. You think with Allen Robinson going down and with people not believing in Blake Bortles that the season was over. Well, if you thought that, unlike myself, I wasn't thinking those things. If you were, if you were thinking something like that, then you're pleasantly surprised this year and probably totally confused as to what happened. But you can never rule out a player's desire and drive. And Jadon Mickens is a definite example of this. And I asked Jaden about or Jadon about about this road for him, about these you know tough nights and just about the grind and just getting himself to where he is today. And this is what he had to say. And then we will take a fast break and come back to wrap up the Jaguars' interviews in just a moment.
Um, it, it was just like a we'll grind every day, grind every second type of thing. I mean, when I come in here, I know that you know I have one role to do, and that means practice, get the team prepared. Uh, but before that, it was just you know uncertainty everywhere. But you know, I mean, now being a part of something special and you know winning a playoff game and, and going to the next round, that's big, you know. So. It's really surreal, but also, you know, I have to be a professional and, and take accountability for the professionalism. When you look back to those moments, did you ever have in your mind, you know, maybe it's not going to happen? Mm. Uh, nah, because honestly, it, it was really all on me, and then I just needed the opportunity. Uh, you know, if, they, if people wanted to keep me on practice squad, you know, my whole life, yeah, they were just going to keep me embarrassing people every day, and eventually going to be like, hey, throw him out there, let's see what he can do. So it wasn't no uncertainty at all. When you look at Blake Bortles, from the outside looking in, People tend to say, you know, critique him here, there, and everywhere, mm -hmm. but he had Allen Robinson go down. He had Hearns mm -hmm. go down for part of the season. He had Marquise Lee go down for part of the season. So then it goes to Keelan Cole and it goes to you. Just what you could say about when the fourth and fifth string guys like yourselves are getting involved, just how good he is as a quarterback to be able to link up with any string, a player, anybody he needs. And when injuries happen, he stepped up. And and, and you, you said it all along. Uh, he had, you know, top receivers go down. And you said fourth, fifth string is more like six, seven, sometimes eight, you know, a lot a lot of guys that you know coming into this year you didn't know their name you didn't know who they were you didn't know where they came from but now you know we all helping each other and make sure we're maximizing our talent to help this team but for Blake it, it it's just He's been handling all the adversity from, oh, he can't do this, oh, he can't do that, and other players saying things like that. But he's going to the, he's taking his team to the next round, and you know, and he's still he's winning games and he's coming out with wins, no matter how ugly they are. I seen Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl in a fashion that we never seen Peyton Manning play in, but he won. You know what I mean? And that's all that matters. This guy's winning football games and he's leading his team, and we're behind him. What do you see from him on a daily level? Some things that people don't see that you just take away from him to see that leadership. He leads by example. He leads by example. No matter if he throws five touchdowns or five interceptions, uh, haven't seen him throw five interceptions, but he leads by example. He's still going to come in the next day, practice hard. He's going to let let the young guys know what they need to do. Even if we messed up either in a game or in practice, he still keeps his composure and talk us through everything and so we can be ready for either the next player or the next game. From the uncertainty of personally what was going to happen in your career to go into the AFC Divisional Round game, just what you can say about what you're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to winning. <laughs> I'm looking forward to winning. You know, this storybook uh, story with myself, but not only myself, but with this team. It's been 10 years. So uh, this is a whirlwind for everybody, um, you know, including you guys too that's been around here and seeing this program, you know, build from the ground up. So winning this game, heading into the next one, and then hopefully getting to the big show is the mindset. But it's one game at a time. We took care of one, now we got to go take care of another one in Pittsburgh. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville.
Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Inside of On the Prowl, my Jacksonville Jaguars signature segment of coverage that you've heard for years here on the broadcast as we continue to branch out, expand, and make it even better on the prowl, Jacksonville Jaguars coverage Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening to the to the segment and to the broadcast Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. So far in the morning menu, proudly present the mark, presented by the Market Diner, we have had Corey Grant on the prowl as well as Dewan Smoot, Cam Robinson, Josh Lambeau, Keelan Cole, and Jadon Mickens. Up next is Mercedes Lewis. Here's a little history lesson for you folks. Mercedes Lewis has been on this team for a very, very long time. The Jacksonville Jaguars last made the playoffs in the 2007-8 season. Well, in that 2007-8 season, guess what? Mercedes Lewis was a Jaguar. He's in his 12th season out of UCLA, drafted in the first round, 28th overall back in 2006. He's the only player on the team that was part of the playoff game in 2007-08 season and in 2017-18 season. And he's here with us right now to discuss his thoughts on this team and the build back to where they are today and just what he's taken away. Uh, I just think that, you know, <clears throat> we're, we're so close uh, as a team. And, like, you know, normally, and I feel like sometimes when people say, yeah, we're brothers and we're family, sometimes it could be cliche because that's what everybody says. But... Uh, we're we're actually like really close in here, and uh, you know we 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 definitely play for each other out there. You know we know that it's not always going to be pretty, and uh, we got to pick each other up. And so you know we just go out there and fight our butts off, and you know try to just do what coach should do, and don't try to be Superman. Just do what you do, and uh, 
you know, I think that's been the biggest difference this year. So I'm, I'm excited about, you know, what we have and what we built and uh, proud regardless of what happens. What's brought everybody together more so this season than in past seasons for you? Uh, I think, you know, we're just tired of not just, we're just tired of underachieving, right? And, uh, you know, I feel like the, par the parity is so good in the NFL that, like, everybody can play ball. So if you don't bring your best shit every Sunday, you can lose, right? So, you know, we've always had good players or whatever, but just couldn't put it together. And I think, you know, this year we, we've made strides and definitely put it together. And the scary part is we haven't played our best game yet as a whole. So, you know, we just want to continue to keep getting better. We earned another week uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to that coming once again from Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis, part of that team a decade ago that made it to the playoffs and the team that's doing it right now. So Mercedes Lewis, the only remaining Jaguar that has seen the team go from playoffs in 2007-08 season to tough road all the way through to where they are today. I mean, if you look back, and we're going to do that right now, we're going to look back at the Jaguars results by year and I want to look at Mercedes Lewis and his time with the Jacksonville Jaguars so this is what we're going to do right now okay so we're going to look at this Mercedes Lewis has been with the team since 2006-7's season so that's how we're going to do this so the team was 8-8 eight and eight in 2006-2007 then they were 11-5 they lost in the divisional round under Jack Del Rio then they were 5 and 11, 7 and 9, 8 and 8, 5 and 11, 2 and 14, 4 and 12, 3 and 13, 5 and 11, 3 and 13 before getting the 10 and 6 going back to the playoffs and winning in the wild card round of the playoffs. So just to look at that history, think about what Mercedes Lewis cuz only he can say this. What he has seen. I mean, he's a guy that he's like an oracle. You go to him if you're Doug Marone, if you're Nate Hackett, if you're Todd Wash, if you're Tom Coughlin, and ask him, what was the atmosphere like? What's the experience been like? What have you seen come through these walls? Because he's the only one that can talk about this in the sense of being on the team and saying where they were when he came in in 2006, the improvement in 2007, and then falling down in 2008, little bit better in 2009, a little bit better in 2010, then falling, falling, not good. Not, I mean, you think about Mercedes Lewis from 2011-12 season to 2016-17. He witnessed five wins, two wins, four wins, three wins, five wins, three wins. He did not have more than six wins or at least get to eight and eight from 2011-12 to 2016-17. This is the first winning season that Mercedes Lewis has had with the Jacksonville Jaguars since his second season when they went to the playoffs. So him being a part of those two playoff runs a decade ago and this season are the only two winning seasons he's ever had with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The two winning seasons that Mercedes Lewis has been a part of have both been playoff seasons. Just a little interesting nugget for you to take home and think about here. Coming up next here in the final conversation that I have for you in my one-on-ones with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of their wild card win at home inside of Everbank Field. The last time that they had a playoff game in Everbank Field, it wasn't called Everbank Field. 
You gotta think about that. Jaguar Stadium. Back in 2008, wasn't even called Everbank Field. That's a crazy thing about their history to think it's been so long and they've seen so, and, and a guy like Mercedes Lewis has seen so much, including the city, just seeing the fact that Everbank Stadium wasn't Everbank Stadium before that. And that's the insanity about all this. Is that the last time that the Jaguars were in the playoffs, it wasn't even Everbank Field. Been a long time, folks. Former name of the stadium was the Jacksonville Municipal Stadium and the Altel Stadium. They were the Jacksonville Municipal Stadium when the when they were in the playoffs in 2007-2008 season. They were Jacksonville Municipal in the beginning, and then they became Altel, and then they went back to Jacksonville, Jacksonville Municipal until Everbank bought the rights to put their name on the stadium. How crazy is that? The last time the team made the playoffs... They weren't, they weren't even playing in, they were playing in the same stadium, but it looked different. There's been a lot of upgrades to it and it had a different name. That's how long ago the Jaguars were in. And it's just crazy to think that, you know, Grandpa Mercedes has seen all of this. He has, he's the only one that can say that he knows of all of this of the name changes to the stadiums and the different players that have come in and out and the drafts and the veterans that they tried that worked and the veterans that they tried that didn't work out that well. I mean, to me, this is, it's, it's just, it's insane to think that he has seen all of this and he's the only one that can speak about it. There's nobody else in that room that can be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe some people that are a part of the staff in the front office can talk to it, but he's a man on his own in this respect. And Mercedes Lewis for sticking this out and being a part of this team. He's only ever been a Jaguar. I respect the hell out of him for it in his 12th season out of UCLA. And he signed going into this season a three-year contract. So he will spend his entire career most likely with the Jacksonville Jaguars and he will retire a, dra- a Jaguar. So I give all I give a ton of respect to him for the work that he's done and put forward. And I think it's I think it goes understated because He's not your flashy tight end that's getting 10 touchdowns in a season. You know, he's not Travis Kelsey and he's not Rob Gronkowski, but damn it, he's he's a good player. And his body's had a lot of longevity, and I give him all the credit in the world for that. He's played, when you look back to his seasons, his rookie season, he played 15 out of 16 games, then 16 to 16, 16 to 16, 15 to 16, 16 to 16, 15 to 16, 16 to 16. Then he had 11 of 16, 8 of 16, 16 of 16, 10 of 16, 16 of 16 this season. So only three seasons has he not played in at least 15 of 16 games. And then you look at, and this is not including playoffs, and then you look at, you know, just one season did he play single-digit games where he only played 8 out of 16 games. So, you know, for the most part, his body's been good. And you look at playing in 11 of 16 and 8 out of 16. He responded in 2015-16 by playing in all 16. And then when he played in 10 last year, he came back to play in all 16 here in his 12th season 
count the playoff 17 of 17 as a guy who's been in the league for 12 years and is 33 years old. So he has definitely reached and surpassed the typical longevity of an NFL player. So kudos to him for that. Finally, here in my one-on-one conversations with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the prowl, coming off of their wild card victory over the Buffalo Bills. That is Vic. Every time I say it, I feel like I have to like do more, you know, because they won. It's been a long time. They won this game. So the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward here. And I've been wanting to speak with this guy since he played Syracuse when he was playing for LSU and that amazing run that he had that I believe was 71 yards where where Brandon Harris, the quarterback of LSU at the time, was falling down and seemingly about to get sacked for a substantial loss. And Leonard Fournette was standing behind him, just waiting for the ball. He literally was standing there like a stone statue. And his quarterback, Harris, flips him the ball. He takes it, makes a move. And instead of the team losing 5 to 10 yards on a sack, they end up running in for a touchdown, thanks to Leonard Fournette, who went, in, who went more than half the field and into the end zone. Well, ever since that moment, I wanted to sit down with the man, and I finally got an opportunity to do so in a day that was about a lot of wonderful opportunities and a lot of blessings from God all coming at the same time. Leonard Fournette, up right now, and what he had to say about the fact that typically he's the guy that's got to be running the ball this year, but in this game, Blake Bortles had the most yards on the ground with 88. So what he had to say about Blake and what Blake did. Yeah, like I said, we're gonna need that man. Uh, and everybody uh, is so so concerned uh, about our run game. You know, when he pulls it, I mean, he's by himself, and I think we need that. When you look at this team growing as a rookie, just what you could say about what you've taken away from this unit, the veterans, as well as guys like yourself coming in here first time in the NFL. Oh, I said, man, we're 100% close to what we was when we first, when I first got here. You know, it's really it's really a family. You know, what I mean, it's one of the closest teams I've ever been on since I mean, since college or since high school. And I say, you don't find it, you don't find it too many places. It's been a lot of grinded out victories this season to move on to the divisional round. Just what you've learned from this team and learned from the fight that is in this team. Like I say, uh, man, it's a different Jaguars team, man. You know, we have to keep fighting throughout the duration. Uh, we'll, we'll get it done. That coming once again from Leonard Fournette of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Leonard Fournette marking the eight Jaguars that I had the opportunity to speak with after the game with a win in the wild card round, 10 to 3 at home at Everbank Field. The team has been 6-0 and at Everbank since starting the season off 0-2 at home. Leonard Fournette, Mercedes Lewis, Jadon Mickens, Keelan Cole, Josh Lambeau, Cam Robinson, Dewan Smoot, and Corey Grant. Thank you all for being a part of Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora, and thank you to all of the Jaguars that have been a part of the show so far this season. Truly appreciate it, and I'm very grateful for you being a part of the broadcast. A little note here coming up at the perfect timing. The players not expected to practice today for the Jaguars. Paul Puzlesny, the linebacker with an abdomen injury. Aaron Colvin with an illness at cornerback. And Telvin Smith with an ankle injury at linebacker. We also have uh, injuries. Avery Jones has an ankle injury at D-tackle. Mercedes Lewis has an ankle injury at tight end. Jadon Mickens has a hamstring injury at wide receiver. Donald Payne at linebacker has a quad injury. And then Tommy Bahannon at fullback has a knee injury. Blake Bortles' right wrist has been on the injury report all season long pretty much with that, and he has played through it. So that is the injury report for you right now brought to you by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I want to thank Jacksonville 
for sending that out this morning and sending it out in perfect timing. We'll take a step aside and we'll get off the field and head to the court and we'll get your thoughts on what you're taking away from the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team so far before we wrap up the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be a part of your morning every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast and being a part of the show Big, big blessings go to you and a big thanks to you right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. So thank you so much, and I appreciate your time and for everything that uh, that you've done to connect with the show on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. Twitter at CallDT, Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT, as well as on WakeUpCallDT.com, becoming a member on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, and so much more that you have done. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Going the, to WakeUpCallDT.com and downloading the RSS feed, going and getting the iTunes podcast, and downloading the app off of Podbean, WakeUpCallDT. So shout out to all of you listeners, supporters, readers, and viewers, because we have YouTube.com backslash WakeUpCallDT for you to watch over a 1,000 videos that we've done so far. And, of course, you have the Right Now page with over 400 articles for you to read. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. It never goes unnoticed or underappreciated. So God bless and many thanks to all of you wonderful people out there. With that being said, we'll continue on here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. 
very, very happy to be able to share with you what's going on right now. And uh, we're getting off the court. We're getting off the field, heading to the court to speak on the Syracuse Orange. And I said I'm excited because I'm always excited to, you know, talk about what's going on in the hometown, what's going on in Syracuse. And, you know, Syracuse, you know, they're struggling. The team started out the ACC 1-0 after beating Virginia Tech. Then they fell after beating Virginia Tech and have, and then they were 1-1, and then they were 1-2, a losing record in the conference for the first time this season, and now they're 1-3. They're on a three-game losing streak. Syracuse is inside of the ACC, which has left them with a record of 12-5 at this point in the season. They lost to Wake Virginia, or Wake Virginia, Wake Forest on the road, and then lost to Notre Dame at home and lost to Virginia last night on the road, if you're listening live here on Wednesday, January 10th. So after defeating Virginia Tech by 12 points at home, they lost on the road at Wake, just didn't play well. Honestly, you know, Wake made their free throws, Syracuse gave up the ball, Frank had a bunch of turnovers at the most inopportune time, and the guys were forcing some shots at the end. They were playing one man against all on offense instead of passing to their teammates, setting pick and rolls, and God forbid, making sure that somebody else could get a shot off. And it was to their detriment. They lost by six. Notre Dame, we're going to talk about that in a second. That was an atrocious showing. This is like the UConn showing, but it's probably even worse because it was at home. Last year's UConn, not this year's one. Last year in the 2016-17 season, when UConn and Syracuse faced off at Madison Square Garden. That was a battle of two terrible teams that just didn't want to win the game at that time. And UConn did just enough to squeak by. In this game, it was Notre Dame and Syracuse. Just awful, but Syracuse played so terribly down the stretch that they gave up the game 51-49. to And they didn't box out and get out. I mean, the thing is, Notre Dame wanted the rebounds more than Syracuse, and that's exactly how the game ended. They got that rebound in the final seconds to put the ball back up in transition to win the game by two points. And then at Virginia, Syracuse tried to do some things late, but they lost 68-61. So, you know, Syracuse is in a place right now where fans are very nervous and very scared and very upset because they don't know what to think. How could Syracuse lose? And so I'm going back to what some of you have been saying. You know, Virginia was going to be a tough game. Now, I didn't think Virginia was going to be playing the way that they're playing right now. I would venture to say that not even Tony Bennett would think that, that the team was going to be playing this well at this juncture of the season or even this well at all at any point this season because him and I talked before the season started about this team and about the fact that this team, you know, it, <laughs> about the fact that, that this group was a group that was going to have to potentially look at, you know, a, a rebuild. And this has been none, no type of a rebuild for Virginia. So we're going to get to that Virginia game in just a second. But I asked you about your reaction to the Syracuse 51-49 to loss at home to Notre Dame that happened. And a lot of you responded here. Uh, Don Bond said it was a good game. Cuse just lost it. The refs let them play. Cuse needs to let Marek Dolajai and Matt Moyer score more. Barama Sidibe is not ready for the season. Well, you know, he's been hurt. So that's, you know, that's that's something. I think he was ready, and I think his body just kind of told him we're not in a good place right now. Uh, Trista said the refs sucked. They need to rebound better. David said, want to vomit. 
after the Syracuse 51-49 loss to Notre Dame at home. Mind you, Notre Dame was without their two best players and best scorers, Matt Farrell and Bonzi Colson, who I know well. And they, because I've interviewed him a bunch of times, Bonzi for the last three years at least. And with, with them being off the court, I'll discuss that in a second about how bad that makes this loss. But to get back to what some of you were saying... Don Bond also said it's not the end of the world. So many ranked teams lost this week. Cuse has the same record as the Arizona Wildcats. And Jacob said, and the same exact record as UNC. Jackie said, and now Duke in the ACC at that time. Uh, Larissa said that it was a good game. And Eric Coleman put a face out like, like you must be crazy. Very uh, scary face. Jordan said, I missed it totally. Forgot they played today. But as Don said, it's still early. I don't see them beating Duke or FSU if they play them, which they will. Uh, Jacob went on to say, I just revert to we rarely score off of turnovers. We force a lot of turnovers, but nothing to show for the effort. One play in particular was we forced a turnover, then Battle takes this wild 15-foot floater with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, which, which, you know, Tyus has been known to do because he tries to put the team on his back. It's plays like this one that will put you in jeopardy of losing tight games like this one. We had Notre Dame right where we wanted them, just couldn't capitalize. And, uh, and then he said on to Virginia, Chad said, didn't get back on defense slacking. Uh, Christina said, love the orange on to the next game and many more games to win. Yes. We had a bad one. Like every other team does. Uh, every ACC team is good this season. She said, uh, we could lose every game and I will be sitting in my seats next season. So, you know, my thoughts on true fan versus fanatic, a fan is somebody who sits in their seats every season. And a fanatic is the person that goes to the game, screams at the team, and then says that they're never going to come back unless the team does what they want them to do and goes by their expectations. And I think those people should just sit at home and not talk to anybody if that's the way that they look at life. Uh, Trista replied saying, we went for our first time yesterday and loved every minute of it. Definitely will be going back. And that was in the loss to Notre Dame. And then she said, Christina said, don't tell anybody I had a huge fit yesterday, but I call it passion for my team. Uh, Jackie said she was bummed. Joe said, love Syracuse basketball, but we aren't dancing again this season with a sad face. Uh, Randy said the game was ugly, just like the UConn game last year. So shout out Randy. We're on the same wavelength, but did not deserve to win in the game against Notre Dame. One thing to note, Tyus Battles had the ball at the end of the game with the opportunity to win all three of them. And he, he, he hasn't won any of them at the, at that point. In the season, he made that notion. Uh, Joanne said, played like they didn't want to be there. Same old, we need some spice. I know I know it. Will, I will hurt everyone's feelings, but we need to say bye to Coach Beheim. And Joe said, I agree. So two people thinking Coach Beheim is overstayed as welcome. And then Eric said, John, Jim Beheim needs to play all eight players and not yank a kid in six seconds for a bad pass. I agree with that. And then Brian has a gif of... Denzel Washington in a movie slamming his hand on the table and taking his glasses off, which I think is, uh, and he, for some reason it reminds me of, uh, in this one, Denzel kind of looks like Adrian Autry. So kind of reminds me of maybe what Autry did after that game with some frustration, you know, obviously, you know, Adrian's, he's a cool guy. He's always smiling, but you know, you gotta be frustrated when your team loses a game like that. The way that they lost that game was just, it was revolting. It was absolutely revolting. 
And if you're a Syracuse fan and you weren't revolted by the way that Syracuse played Notre Dame, you should be. And I'm surprised why you're not. Because that 51-49 game, listen, the committee's going to look at things. The committee is going to look at things, and if Wake Forest and Syracuse, now Wake Forest is 1-2 and two in the ACC, Syracuse is 1-3. and three. Wake is 8-7 and seven overall, Syracuse is 12-5, and five, okay? So if that continues down that path, and Wake continues, they've played less games in Syracuse, but if they continue to lose here, I'm telling you right now, that the committee is going to look, because Syracuse is not going to win the ACC, and they're not going to win the ACC tournament. So, and that's not being negative. I'm an impartial broadcaster, and as much as I was born and raised in Syracuse, New York, I have I have a duty to tell you the truth. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to tell you how I see it and what I see going on here. This team is not going to win the ACC outright in the regular season, and they're not going to win it in the ACC tournament. So they have to try and become an at-large bid. I don't know how they become an at-large bid if Wake continues to falter because the committee is going to go back and look at these, and they're going to say Syracuse lost to Wake Forest, and Wake Forest isn't that good if Wake continues on their path of being just above 500. And then they're going to say they lost to Notre Dame when Notre Dame didn't have Bonzi Colson or Matt Farrell. So you can't call it a good loss because it's not. It was ugly. It was low scoring. And Syracuse lost a game against a Notre Dame team that is stacked but was missing their two best players and two highest scorers. Look at the rest of Syracuse's season. At FSU, Pittsburgh at home, BC at home, at Pittsburgh, at Georgia Tech, Virginia again, this time at home on February 3rd, at Louisville, which is never fun to play in the KFC Yum Center, Wake Forest at home, NC State, at Miami, North Carolina at home, at Duke, right after North Carolina. Within three days' time, within three days' time, within 72 hours, Syracuse will play North Carolina and Duke. Then they're at BC, and then they're home against Clemson for Lawrence Moton's jersey retirement. Okay, let's look at where things are right now. Clemson is 3-0 in the ACC. I didn't stutter. They defeated NC State, Boston College, in Boston College, and they defeated Louisville. Okay, that's Clemson. Clemson, Virginia's playing better than, than I think anybody, including Tony Bennett, thought that they would, and I mean that. Virginia's 4-0 in the ACC. Clemson's 3-0. Notre Dame's 3-0. Even though they don't have Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell going into that game against Syracuse, they come out of it with a win. Miami's 2-1. North Carolina's 2-2. But you look at these teams and where they're at right now. Georgia Tech is in the top half. Louisville's in the top half. When you separate this thing, because there's 15 teams, Pittsburgh is 15. Syracuse is 14. Wake is 13. NC State's 12. Virginia Tech's 11, so that's not a good win for Syracuse right now. Florida State is 10. Duke is 9. Boston College, who beat Duke, is 8. The top 8 are Virginia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami, North Carolina, Louisville, Georgia Tech, Boston College. The teams that you don't expect to be there, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Boston College, and they're all there. Duke is 13-2 and 1-2 and in the ACC so far. Duke is 1-2 and in the ACC. 
Duke has lost to Boston College and NC State in these road games. Duke's not playing well on the road in the ACC. The only win that Duke has in the ACC is against Florida State, and they had to score 100 points to defeat Florida State at home at Cameron Indoor in North Carolina, 193. This ACC is testing everybody, including Duke. Including Duke. And Syracuse has a tough gamut to go. If they play the way that they've been playing so far, I see FSU as a loss, Pittsburgh as, at best, a split. So I'm going to go down the line here. If they play the way they're playing right now, if they play every man for himself on offense, if they don't go after the rebounds, if they're not tenacious, if Bayheim doesn't play Howard Washington more and Mark Dolezal more, if Matt Moyer doesn't start scoring and becoming a part of that, if Tyus Battle doesn't drive and dish, and instead of taking the last second shot, he knows that two or three people are going to collapse on him, so he gets it out to Frank Howard or somebody else, or O'Shea Brissett. If those things don't happen, and this team doesn't play with full fire like their pants are lit up from here on out, then Syracuse is in trouble. If they play the way they're playing right now, and I'm going to be honest with you, they lose to FSU. At best, they split with Pittsburgh. Okay, so that's one and two. They split with Boston College. So that's two and three. They lose to Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. That's two and four. They lose to Virginia at home. That's two and five. They lose at Louisville. That's two and six. They beat Wake. That's three and six. They beat NC State. That's four and six. They lose to Miami. That's four and seven. They lose to North Carolina, that's 4-8. Duke, that's 4-9. They beat Clemson, that's 5-9. 5-9 through the remainder of the regular season, which would put them with a record of 17-14. and 14. And once again, they will not be going to the NCAA tournament because they would have to win the ACC tournament, which is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So, this is where we stand. And as a Syracuse fan, you deserve the truth. That is the truth. That is where Syracuse stands right now. That is the season that you're looking at. I'm looking at them having a record of 5-9, and 6-8. and eight Through their last 14 games. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at five and nine or six and eight. In all honesty. So they gotta play better. They have to play better. They have to minimize some of the things they're doing. They have to minimize their turnovers. They have to. Frank is averaging four turnovers a game all season long. You have to minimize that. You have to stop that. Tyus Battle's three-point shooting is not that great right now. It's 31.6%. So, you know, he can't rely on that. He's got to attack inside. He has. He's still their leading scorer with 19.1 points a game, and he's an 82.9% free throw shooter. But he's got to minimize his turnovers, and he's got to stop shooting threes and attack more inside if they're not falling. 
The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Continuing to shoot threes when you're not shooting well, that's insanity. O'Shea Brissett, he's been playing well. He's averaging just about a double-double, 15.2 points per game and 9.7 rebounds a game. O'Shea's playing very well as a true freshman. And I still believe he could leave after this year. Pascal Chukwu, he's been doing some good things. About six points a game, six rebounds a game. Not too shabby. Moyer, four and a half points a game, five rebounds a game. Got to boost the points. Got to get 10 and five, 10 and seven, 10 and eight. That's a good place for Matthew Moyer. Mark Dolajai, about five rebounds a game, four points a game. Not going to give you a ton of offense, but you need more. The problem with Syracuse is that their bench is not there. The bench is not there. That's the problem with Syracuse right now. They don't have bench support because they don't really have a bench. And for all of you that were like, yeah, who cares? You know, Dan, why do you care that Geno Thorpe left the team? What was he bringing to the team? Minutes. Fouls. Bare minimum, he's fouls in minutes. He's five fouls, and he's 10, 12, 11, 15 minutes. Geno Thorpe leaving this team screwed over this team. His personal dismissal of himself affected this team. It did. No matter how you try to slice it, it affected this team. Howard Washington is not getting the ample time that he needs to get comfortable. Howard Washington Jr., if you're not going to redshirt him, then play him. Let him play. Frank is averaging 4.4 turnovers a game. So if Howard Washington turns the ball over or misses a three-point shot, who cares? At this point in the season, with a record of maybe getting five to six more wins through the last 14 games of the regular season, if I'm Jim Beheim and I'm... Honestly, honest to goodness, looking at this and saying, realistically, we have five to seven wins left here on this schedule, and we got to play damn well to get to those. Why am I not going to throw Barama out? Barama's red shirt is gone. Beheim said a couple games ago, I got to sit him right now and I can keep him. Well, he's not doing that. And Howard Washington playing two minutes a game is it's BS. It's ridiculous. He gets a steal. He causes a he he fouls somebody, he steals the ball, he gets taken out of the game. He plays in two minutes. This this bench is averaging no points. No points, two points, seven points, nothing. The only the, nobody is scoring off the bench for Syracuse. Look at the last few games. Virginia, 18 points off their bench. Take the 18 points of their bench away from this game. Syracuse wins by 11 instead of losing by 7. Okay? Go to the Notre Dame game. Their bench offered 11. Syracuse's bench offered 6. Syracuse lost by 2 points. Take away the bench of Notre Dame's 11. And Syracuse goes from losing by 2 to winning by 9. Look at the game before that that they lost against Wake Forest. Go to Wake's bench. Wake's bench gave the team 20 points. Syracuse's bench, zero. Take the 20 away. And they go, and Wake goes from winning 
by six to losing by 14. Syracuse does not have bench aid. They don't have bench help. You could say anything you want to say about, well, they need to shoot their threes better, they need to rebound, they need to do this, they need to do that. They do not have a bench to lean on. They don't have a bench to lean on. And some of that's on Jim Beheim. Because you got to prepare for the season, A, and B. I mean, you have to be ready for this. You can't go into a season going, we're just going to have to rely on our starters and that's it. We're just not going to have a bench all year long and that's it. So part of that's on Bayheim in his preparation for the season. The other part of that is on Jim Bayheim in games for not playing these guys. Mark Dolajai should be playing more than 13 minutes. Mark Dolajai, I don't care if he takes a shot or not. He does all the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Mark Dolajai should be playing 20 minutes minimum a game. Minimum. And if Barama really is hurt, which he looks like he is because his stat line has gotten atrocious since the beginning of the season when he told me that he had tendonitis, if Barama's not playing well, then you should have redshirted him. Playing him the last two games was a wash. It was it was a bust. I'm looking at Jim Beheim and, and listen, I respect the heck out of Jim Beheim. This is not a Jim Beheim bashing. This is not this, that, or the other thing. This is telling the truth and being honest. Telling the truth and being honest. And we're going to do the ingredients to success for Syracuse and Jim Beheim when we come back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their 
wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you this morning and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Final part of today's show is typically every Tuesday at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time we do this, but we're doing it to round out today's show for this week. Ingredients to Success probably presented to you by Utica Pizza Company. Utica Pizza Company's ingredients come from grandparents' recipes passed down to parents, passed down to the generation that is there today, led by Phil Russo. And they, every single recipe, it's from grandma to mom to Phil to your table. Grandma to mom to Phil to your takeout, to your catering, to your delivery, to your pickup, to your sit down and eat right there on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York in the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners. Utica Pizza Company, you can buy their jarred sauces as well as dressings, seasonings, and tomato pies inside your local grocery stores in central and upstate New York. You can also buy them on location at Utica Pizza Company on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. And you can buy them by going to UticaPizzaCompany.com. UticaPizzaCompany.com. With that being said, it is time for the Ingredients to Success and I'm going to just carry over the Syracuse conversation and speaking on Jim Beheim and what Syracuse needs to do to get better. I respect Jim Beheim. I appreciate Jim Beheim. So let me preface this by saying that this is not a witch hunt, right? But Jim Beheim, like any other coach, when he is doing things and making decisions that are detrimental to the team, we got to speak about it, right? Any coach in this country if they're doing things that are detrimental, we got to talk about it. Just because Bayheim's been around for 40 plus years, just because he's gone to the final four in every decade that he's coached, and he's coached a lot of great players and recruited very well and put together a great staff from season to season, doesn't mean that the man doesn't make mistakes and doesn't mean that there aren't places to improve. If you look at the Syracuse team and don't think that Jim Bayheim is responsible for any part of some of the woes that have been happening lately, you have to look a little bit closer. And that's why we're doing the ingredients to success. If Syracuse wants to have ingredients to success, one of those ingredients of succeeding is to have Marek Dolajai play more minutes. 13 minutes, no. Five minutes, no. Seven minutes, no thank you. 20 to 22, 20 to 23. He is your best option off your bench. He doesn't foul a lot of the time. He attacks, he gets after it, and he has a knack for the ball. And playing overseas, these guys seem to be more prepared at times than some people that have been coming up here. And I mean no disrespect by saying that. There's phenomenal players that play in high school in the States. I'm just saying there are guys that play and are 17, 18, 19 years old that can go to the NBA from overseas, and they're big men who can shoot threes and rebound and run and dribble the ball and jump after the ball and get after it. It's just the level of play, you got to respect it. You have to respect it overseas play. So with that being said, Mark Dolajai, he has to play more. He has to play more. That's an ingredient to success. Howard Washington has to play more. 
Howard Washington should not be playing two minutes. Howard Washington, you want to know something? Frank Howard, he plays well offensively, okay? Four for nine. Ever since I said that he needed to improve two things, his turnovers and his three-pointers, he's improved his three-point shot. Ever since I said that, like four games ago, every single game since then, he has been 50% or better from three. These last few games, 50% or better. But his turnovers have to get better as well. Frank Howard is a good shooter. 18 points against Virginia. Four for nine from three. That's all great and well. But he had seven turnovers. The team had 11 turnovers. He was he was responsible for seven of them. Seven. How many times this season can you say the team had 13, Frank had more than half? The team had 12, Frank had more than half. The team had... 11, Frank had more than half. The team has, in this game, 11 turnovers. He has seven turnovers. You cannot give up possessions. Not to a team like Virginia, who's going to play slow and just run the clock down, because that's taking your game away from you. You give up two possessions to Virginia, you could be losing that game, let alone seven. By one player, Frank Howard has gotten so much better offensively, but the turnover side of things, it's like, it's a huge blessing, and then on the other side, it's a huge detriment. It's like giving your team pixie dust and then stabbing them in the rip. A lot of good stuff. You think it can fly, but you're kind of bleeding out. That's how I look at it. The pixie dust helps you fly, but the stab in your side is making you bleed out. So you're up in the air and you're appreciating that you're flying, but how long are you going to live doing that if you're bleeding out? Frank has been the team's one of their best players to lean on offensively and consistently, but has also been the consistent turnover machine. If Frank Howard minimizes turnovers, these games would be a lot closer, a lot more dangerous, and Syracuse could have potentially pulled off an upset on the road in Charlottesville at Virginia. So ingredients to success, Frank Howard, I said two things in the past. Work on your three-point shot. Minimize your turnovers. He listened. Somehow, things worked out. Listen, I, I literally said it, and then it happened. How wonderful would it be if when we said cool, good, positive things, they just happened right after? You know, when you're a kid growing up, and you're like, you know what? I just want to find that person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, and then boom, she or he shows right up. How awesome would that be? Well, I said, Frank, improve those three-point. Make, make, do a better job at the three-point shot, or don't take them. Like Tyus Battle. Tyus was 0 for 7 in this game. 0 for 7 from three-point. Something inside of you has to tell you to stop shooting them at that point. He was 6 for 9 inside the arc. 0 for 7 from outside. So just focus on inside the arc. Focus on being that. O'Shea Brissett doesn't have a good shooting percentage from three-point, but he's playing better Tyus battle from there. So in my opinion, you gotta take a look at the things that are working and the things that aren't. You have to be realistic about what is going on and what is not happening. And... Frank has improved his three-point shot. Tyus has gone down. So how about Tyus, you drive and dish? 
play to the strengths of the team. Right now, the strength of the team from three-point is Frank Howard. And at times is O'Shea Brissett. The strength inside is Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett. The strength in rebounding is Matthew Moyer and Pascal Chukwu. The utility guy is Marek Dolajai. Play to the strengths of your team. And for goodness sakes, pick and roll just to appease me in being a fundamental basketball player and just watch how many times it opens guys up and it works. Find shots for other players. These guys aren't doing that for each other. They're not doing that for each other. Not consistently. Do you know how many assists Syracuse had in the loss to Virginia? In 40 minutes? Three. They had three assists in 40 minutes. Three in 40 minutes. That is an assist every point, what is that? 7.5 seconds or something like it's ridiculous it is absolutely ridiculous I'm sorry that's not correct as far as the seconds here 40 minutes so that's every 0.075 of a minute Three assists in 40 minutes. The writing is on the wall. Frank Howard turns the ball over way too much. The team does not look for each other to score. And as well as they rebound, they out-rebounded Virginia 41-31. to They out-rebounded them offensively 19-13 to and defensively 22-18. to So how did they lose the game? They're not looking for each other. Howard Washington Jr. is not getting comfortable out there. Mark Dolajai is not getting comfortable out there. And they're turning the ball over too much. It's clear. Frank Howard's been turning the ball over too much the entire season. This team is every man for himself on offense this entire season for the most part. They're a good rebounding team who can play good defense, but they don't look for each other on offense, and they give up too many offensive possessions and are playing on their heels on defense too much. That's the issue, and they're not playing to each other's strengths. It is clear what Syracuse needs to do. Their ingredients to success are right in front of them. They just have to follow them, and they have to believe in them, and they have to go forward knowing that if they want to win... And if they want to get this done, there are ways to do it. There are simple things that are within their control. It's one thing to say that it's not in their control. It's one thing to say that they're doing everything right or almost everything right, and it just so happens that they're playing teams that are just a little bit better. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think they're playing some good teams out there. And at the same time, I feel like Syracuse is killing themselves more than anybody is beating up on them. Syracuse is losing games by the things that I'm stating over and over and over again. Statistically, they rebound well, they play good defense, but they do not look for each other, they do not set up each other, they do not run plays, and they turn the ball over too much. And Frank Howard, for all the good offense he brings to the team, he brings good offense to his opponent because he gives him possessions to score. It doesn't matter if you score 18 points, 40 points, 50 points, 30 points. If you're giving the ball to the other team and giving them opportunities to match you or surpass you. It's common sense. 
if I scored 18 points and turned the ball over seven times, my coach is not going to be happy with me. He's happy that I scored, but he is definitely not going, keep doing what you're doing, brother. This team has to realize that everything that's going wrong is in their wheelhouse. It is in their control. And Jim Beheim, I understand he hates going to eight players, nine players, whatever, but he's not even going to seven. Barama don't even count him because he's not healthy. And I feel terrible for Barama because I'm sure he wants to play. 15, 15 minutes combined for Howard Washington and Mark Dolajai is not good enough. It's not good enough. Take Frank Howard out for a few minutes. Take him out when he turns the ball over two times on back-to-back -back possessions and put in Howard. Because Frank knows that there's nothing... Frank can make 150 mistakes, and maybe that's why he's playing more comfortable offensively, and I'm sure it has to do with it. But Frank knows no matter what, he's not coming out of the game. He knows that. So take him out, put Howard in for 10 minutes. Not in succession, but fr take Frank out, put Howard in for two minutes, then put him in together, then take him, then take Howard out, keep Frank in, then put Howard out at the beginning of the second half, and then have Frank and do this, that, and the other thing. Switch some things up. If Matthew Moyer's playing 31 minutes and only getting six points, put in Dolajai. Split it. Give Moyer 20 and give Marek 20. And let them play that position. Don't make it 31 minutes to 13. Even it out. At this point in the season at 12-5 and five, and the dumpster fire that has been the last three games, allow these guys to learn. A good coach in this moment would take a step back from himself, from his plan and from his ego, and he would say, let's try something new. Let's try something different, and let's just see what we come up with. Because if you're not going to test the waters here in the middle of the season, you're not going to do it at the end of the year, and it's going to be too late. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Well, if Howard Washington plays two to three minutes in a game, Mark Dolajai plays minimal minutes in the game and people don't look for him. The team stops passing the ball to each other. If all these things continue to not happen, that's going to be on Jim Beheim, Partially. Because you can't just say to the team, well, you know what, we're just not an assist team. We're just not a team that looks for each other. We're just every man for himself. If you can admit in public that you're every man for himself, stop coaching and stop playing basketball. Because it's a team sport, hence why there's five players on your team on the floor at all times. <clears throat> it's not, it's not. Hey, Tyus, you go out there against Virginia's five. Let's see how you do. And then Frank, you. It's not. This isn't a penalty kick. This isn't a free kick in soccer. This is basketball. And in basketball, five players play up against five other players for as long as I've known the sport. So. Syracuse's problems, their blunders, and their deficiencies are in their control and manageable. Bayheim has to do it in practice and in the games and from the sideline, and these guys got to do it on the floor. I'm not giving up on Syracuse. I'm just stating the obvious facts of what needs to change. And if they don't, then expect the definition of insanity to ensue.
With that being said, this is Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on today's broadcast on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and of course on the direct feed, MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Make sure that you meet us at Muddy Waters every Thursday at 7 p.m. And by the way, we just started doing trivia yesterday at Sammy Malone's. And we'll do it every Tuesday at 6 p.m. And it was awesome. Huge jump off and a great start with some great people at Trivia for Sammy Malone's 6 p.m. So every Tuesday at 6 p.m., Trivia at Sammy Malone's. Every Thursday, Game Show Night, Pictionary, and Family Feud downstairs from Sammy Malone's at Muddy Waters at 7 p.m. every Thursday night. So we will see you there on Thursday and have a blessed and beautiful and wonderful day. And if you're a Syracuse fan, listen. Just understand that as much as you're upset and as much as you're sad, the things that are going wrong for Syracuse are in their are in their possession for the most part and in their control. It is up to Jim Beheim and this player and these players to shift routes and to try something different. And if they do, sky could be the limit. If they don't, well, then we're gonna come back here and sound like a broken record. And I don't want to do that. So with that being said, have a great day. Follow me on Twitter at CallDT and Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT and on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT and make sure that you connect with the show at all times on the RSS feed, the downloadable app on Podbean and the iTunes podcast, all located on WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage for quick links and so much more on WakeUpCallDT.com. And we will be with you tomorrow morning, Thursday, January 11th at 9 a.m. Eastern time with Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. A very proud and special thank you once again to all of my guests that were on today's show. Leonard Fournette, Dewan Smoot, Mercedes Lewis, Cam Robinson, Keelan Cole, Jadon Mickens, Corey Grant, and Josh Lambeau of the Jacksonville Jaguars. God bless, be well, and I'll talk with you soon.